Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli, your chaotic good host. I'm Brian Dawes, your lawful good host. And I'm Chris Delano, your chaotic evil host. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about D&D. But before we get to that, let's talk about uh, news. So a big, by the time you're listening to this, uh, you will probably be about able to order the new Secret Lair Super Drop for the summer. It's got a lot of cool stuff in here with guest artists. It's got the Phyrexian text original Praetors, which I definitely want to get. Uh, and it even has, related to this episode, uh, a series of cards based on the 1980s D&D cartoon, which is pretty neat. There's there's also uh, some excellent like artist secret layers coming out. Did you uh, did you mention Mark Poole? Uh, I said guest artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. there's cool art stuff. There's he, cool he's art not stuff. a guest artist. He's like a foundational magic artist. I'm sorry. It's like the best secret layer they're releasing. Let's be honest. It's got like old art birds of paradise but in the new frame and foil so like that's pretty cool it's got a wasteland in it with a reference to library of alexandria i'm buying like four of those jay probably favors the one that gives the uh mimic a goblin a pirate goblin the the fiona staples yeah the fiona staples pirate goblin for the the mimic card absolutely yeah 100 percent I could I can't even look at another art artist. I'm sorry. It's it's all about that one. The the coolest thing about these is that the non-foil ones are only like 30 bucks. So including the Phyrexian Praetors. Like yeah. God. So <laughs> I am a you know, I have like bought like a few secret layers. I'm using one right now as a box, the box for it under my microphone, which I'm not gonna be able to do anymore because they're gonna be smaller. Um, but like Thank I'm gonna goodness. buy probably like a playset of the Fiona Staples one. And like probably a playset of Mark Bull too for thirty dollars each. Like that's you're it's incredible. It's great value and also like amazing art. Yeah, it, it's definitely one that's going to make me have to reconsider my spending choices because like almost bought a PS Five today and <sighs> with, with this secret error announcement, I'm not sure I'm going to have to put that on hold for another couple months. So we'll see. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention is that there was a Heroes of the Realm card that featured the Dungeon Master, and the Dungeon Master was a character from the D&D show that these this new Secret Lair drop uh, references. That Dungeon Master is not an actual character in D&D as far as we know, but these ones we're about to talk about are... Boom, transition. Who needs Lorelai for transitions? She would have done it so much better. Anyway... Uh, (laughs) she has a lot of experience with transitions to be fair yes that is fair so what we're going to talk today about are are some of the high level uh, or very famous D&D characters Uh, basically I don't know a whole lot about D&D so if I know who this character is I decided we should probably put them on this list Uh, and I have Chris and Brian here to back me up as we go through all of these characters. So let's start with gods. So a lot of these characters, and just sort of like a preface to this episode, uh, D&D is very big. It is very vast, and it is a character-driven story creation game. So, like, there's a lot of characters. And we're going to talk about, like, what we know about some of them, but we can't go into detail because there's like probably 40 or 50 people we're just looking at right now um, who we think might be relevant. So uh, Ao was the over God who like didn't want to interfere a lot and didn't want like mortals to know he existed or even gods. Uh, but he's the one who stepped in and caused the sundering because he created the tablets of fate or whatever. Uh, and then he caused the second sundering. 
So he is sort of, uh, I don't know, you could just call him the editor for D&D. Let's be real. He's the one deciding when editions stop. <laughs> um, we have also, Jay mentioned two gods that we've already seen cards for. Uh, so we've got uh, a card for Tiamat, who is a god. And we also have a card for uh, Lolth the Spider Queen, who is also a god. Um, so we've seen two god cards Uh so that's really cool already. Um, Tiamat is the goddess of dragon kind uh, and is lawful evil goddess of, of greed. And and like she's just not a good person. And she also takes the form of a five headed uh, multicolored chromatic dragon. Uh, so that's kind of cool, I guess. You have to defeat her in a lot of adventures. Um, and Brian, you know a lot about Lolth. I just know she's uh, she's got big step on me energy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure, we can go with that. Uh, Lolth is the patron queen of most drow. Um, and she holds a great amount of sway in their culture, especially in the city of Minzo Berizan, um, which is where Gris Dorden uh, originates from. Um, she lives in the demon web pits in the abyss and, uh, like people or drow sacrifice their lives and other people's lives to gain her favor. Um, so yeah, she's a big deal in drow society. Um, and I like the fact that she gets a card as opposed to some of the other gods makes me really wonder if this is going to be more focused around, the novels or whether they're going to focus on the campaigns or if they're going to do a little bit of both and it really it, it lends itself to being open to a lot of characters that could possibly be printed or none of these characters be print, being printed and they could focus on something completely different um i guess our next god uh will be mistra or you know what no our next god is bahamut since we mentioned tiamat we might as well mention bahamut at the same time um bahamut is the dragon god of justice he's known as the platinum dragon and he's uh the god of all metallic dragons in DD, you have chromatic as in the colors red uh red white blue green and black just like the magic colors and then those are generally evil dragons and then you have the uh the chromatic dragons or i'm sorry metallic dragons that are like bronze gold silver um brass I feel like I'm forgetting one. Copper and copper. Um and basically each one of those is paired up with one of the chromatic dragons as far as their their type breath types and immunities and whatnot and what they tend to do in their kind of environments that they prefer. Um like reds are generally match up with um gold, whites with silver, so on and so forth. Um like Red is the fire, um, ice, white is ice dragons. Yes, that sounds right. Then green is acid, or no, green is poison, black is acid. Yeah, and so these two dragon gods are sort of like direct polar opposites of each other. Uh, my experience is that Tiamat uh, is more of an active mom, and Bahamut's kind of an absent dad. He doesn't really, like, do things as often as Tiamat does, at least in the story. Nope, that's perfectly fair. That's, that's how I would characterize it as well. Um, our next god is Mistra, who is the lawful neutral god of magic. Um, at points in D&D lore, she was, she was the magic. She was the source of the magic of the realms, like, incarnate. Um, I believe after the spell plague, when she perished... That's what caused the uh, time of troubles when she was gone. 
and magic was on was wild because other way she, around time of troubles is when she died because she became mortal spell plague is the result of her death gotcha yeah there you go. um but prior to that point she like magic generally ran through her so after that period other gods started taking portions of that but she was no longer as her 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 sway over how magic works in the realms changed as many things did with after the time of troubles and spellplay. Yeah, she's also got like a whole thing of like chosen and followers and people who are like sworn to Mistra. Uh, in my experience, generally, if you're playing like a lawful wizard of some kind, you probably have some like prayer or some sort of like religious devotion to Mistra. Um, that's just, you know, a general way of experiencing her in game. Her most popular favorite is Elminster, who we'll talk about later. You also have Helm who is lawful neutral, is the god of guardians, protection, and protectors. Um, that one, I don't have as much knowledge about. It doesn't come up a lot in the stories that I read. A lot of the deities serve as, like, guideposts for alignment and less uh, actual involvement of the story. Um, so we have, like, you know, Helm, who's, like, sort of like the cleric of protections deity. Uh, and then there's, like, Talos, who's the god of storms, who's, like, the the god who a lot of like uh what is it like the storm cleric one is really popular with talos um and then like tear who's like the the god of justice is also like the paladin god a lot of times like some of these serve as like guideposts for character creation and less involved in like campaign stories now people like tiamat ao mistra lolf uh bahamut those are all like very active in story um, but less so active in like the background. Um, I guess with that, we can transition to some of the stories that uh, take place in the Forgotten Realms. Um, and the most popular, arguably, is Drizzt Dorden, who we already have a card for. Um, and he has a number of books that span several decades at this point, um, most of which center around him and his friends called the Companions of the Hall. One of which is Brunner Battlehammer, who we already have a card for. Um, Caddy Bree, who starts off as the adopted daughter of Bruder Battlehammer and eventually becomes Drizzt's wife. Um, Regis, uh, who is a halfling rogue. Oh, Caddy Bree is a human. Uh, she starts off as kind of a fighter, archer kind of person, and then after an injury, she takes up spellcasting. Um, Regis is the roguish archetype for the most part. Um, he can be a trickster and pulls pranks on people and is a fast talker of sorts. Uh, Wolfgar, son of Bjorngar, is uh, the barbarian of the party. And uh, he's the one that smacks things a little bit harder. I, I know Bruner's also a warrior of sorts, but uh, Wolfgar is kind of the berserker kind of warrior as, as opposed to the fighter. Um, other important characters from Drizzt's story is Darlaxel of uh, Bregan Darth, who is um, a drow rogue. Um, in drow society, generally, males are subservient to females. Um, they are a very matriarchal society, to the point where most high-ranking families only have uh, two sons. Some have more, um, but most of them only like only have two noble sons. They might have a bunch of chattel um house warriors or fighters or whatnot but the nobles of the family there might only be two sons unless you have unless you're from house bayern ray which is the first house of minnow or bearism i forgot that word it's so awful to say 
but Jarlaxle is one who tends to uh, recruit noble sons of houses that are uh, that are about to fall, and he's built up a very uh, strong group of mercenaries that, despite the disapproving glances of the matron mothers of Minobarazim, um, are very popular. Like basically, all of these matron mothers don't like that a male has so much power but they respect him because he has so much power. Um, and that's because he, he chooses his recruits well. And he, he's, he's the kind of person that will save. If you, if you have worth and you're, you're in over your head, he can get you out as long as you swear fealty to him and his group. And he, it's actually a fairly uh, close-knit group once you're in for a while. So he's a very popular figure, and he's been in a couple D&D books recently. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm, and he's a very popular character in the, in the Forgotten Realms. So I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get a card of some sort. He's a, he's a very roguish figure. Um, so I would love to have a rogue deck with him at the helm. Um, Artemis Entreri is another popular character from Dritt's story, uh, who is basically Dritt's foil. Um, he, where Dritt tends to be the kind of person that looks for the bright side of things and fights when he has to and it but is basically without peer when he does or almost without peer when he fights uh artemis is the person who fights because he just likes to fight and he wants to be the best so when they meet drizzit is kind of his mirror like drizzit only likes to fight because he has to whereas intrary just enjoys fighting and being the best so um it, drizzit basically proves to him that he shows in Trey that he's a kind of a hollow existence and it's kind of a, a situation where in kind of doesn't like what he sees in the reflection that is driven. Um, so they, they go back and forth throughout a lot of the novels. They're, they, they have a understanding of each other, which is very uh, interesting. Um, I mentioned the matron mothers of Minnow Barazin and, uh, the matron mother of the first house of Banray is Yavonal Banray. Um, she's considered Yavonal the Eternal, and she's been presiding over that city for millennia at this point. Um, she is killed by Brunner Battlehammer, but is reincarnated later in the story. So, depending on where we fall in this set, like what timeline they, or what part of the timeline that they choose to show these characters, we might see her as her reincarnated self or we might see her as her old self i'm not really sure but she is um in Loth's favor in the highest order both at the time of her death and currently we think um she's kind of going through a change in thought process in the latest novels in her reincarnated self so not really exactly sure of her motivations but it, it, she's an interesting character in that in the first novels um, in that she wields so much power so effortlessly, it seems. And in the newest novels, she's an intrigue. She's a mystery. Um, that's very intriguing. Um, so I'm really interested to see how they're going to, which card, if they give her a card at all, which card, which version of herself that we would get. Because, um, like I said, these stories go back several decades. Like, I believe the first book for came out in 88, I believe. So, and I've read none of them. And I've read all of them, except for a couple of side stories that weren't on the main storyline. So, um, there's a lot of history there. Like, it, it seems, to me, Bruner's card seems like it was from his 
his pre like pre fifth edition self, but I'm not sure. I uh, we really need to see more of what they're doing because based based on the art that I saw of Phil Bruner, it, it, it seemed like it would be his car from way before he was reincarnated. Because basically all the companions of the hall have died in the time that the Drizzt Blot storyline has progressed, and they've been reincarnated um, because of Maleki, who is the god that Drizzt follows. And she is his favorite, or he is her favorite. Drizzt is Maleki's favorite, so it's super complicated. Um, (laughs) I'm going to just take you at your word for everything about these characters, because like I said, I haven't read them. Um, I only know their names from like occasionally popping up in, in books, like Jarlaxle. Jarlaxle is one of the, like, I will be very, very disappointed if he doesn't have a card, because he's super awesome. Um, I know some of our live listeners... I looked him up, and he seems awesome. He seems like my kind of... A drow dandy is, like, right up my alley. Oh, yeah, he's a a dandy swashbuckler kind of guy. He's definitely, if he's not in the set, I'm definitely writing. Like, after Drizzt, he was a person that I wanted the most, so. Now, here's my question for you, though. Would he be a legendary creature elf rogue or legendary creature elf pirate? Or is he going to be the first legendary creature elf pirate rogue? Yep, I'm going with the last (laughs) option. Because, like like I said in the last episode, the city of Luskin is run by pirate lords, and his, and Bregendar, his group, is the power behind the, the first house, the first ship in that city. So he technically owns the city of Luskin. Um, so he is, and he, ha- like, in the latest, in the D&D book, um, was it Dragon Heist? Uh, mm-hmm. He actually, he has a pirate, he has multiple pirate ships. So I, I would expect him to be a legendary elf pirate rogue. Um, but I, I would, I would, I wouldn't be upset if he was a just legendary, legendary rogue, but it would make more sense to me. Like it fits. He he's a pirate mm-hmm. and he's a rogue and he's obviously you know. We had some live listeners mention the Boulder Shoulder Brothers, who are twin dwarves. Um, that one of them is a druid. He calls him. He fancies himself a doodad called Pickle, <laughs> and his brother Ivan, who is the typical dwarf stereotype. Um, they meet Drizzt while Drizzt is uh, traveling, chasing the Crystal Shard, which is something that I believe is going to be the focus of the Dark Alliance game, um, while uh, Drizzt is visiting the uh, Cathedral Spirit Soaring, where Caterly Bonaduce, I don't know how they pronounce it, because like I said, I read them, I didn't listen to them. Um, and he's a very powerful cleric, so that would be a very awesome cleric card for a cleric party deck if they wanted to do that. Yeah, we've we've got a lot of characters also that we want to talk about who are more closely related to Waterdeep. Waterdeep is like we mentioned, like the central hub of a lot of magic of a lot of D and D stories. Um, the first one that I want to talk about is Kelvin Blackstaff. So Blackstaff is like one of my favorite. Like, it's an archetype in storytelling, the, like, powerful wizard who lives in a tower and uh, has his name based off of a magical artifact that he carries. Well, that's Kelbin. Kelbin was a chosen of Mistra who became, at various points in time, the the lord of Waterdeep. Um, and now he, he serves, or, well, he served uh, as the Blackstaff, which is a title that they give to essentially the Archmage of Waterdeep. Uh, it also comes with the Blackstaff, which is an artifact that uh, Kelbin 
sort of became named after. Um, he also uh, famously married Lairil Silverhand, who is one of the two Silverhand sisters who are kind of the lords of Waterdeep and uh, Silvery Moon, I believe, is where her sister's in charge. Yep. Alstriel is the lady of uh, Silvery Moon. Yeah, and they are both uh, Chosens of Mistra as well. A, um, another fun fact about Kelvin Blackstaff is he was part of the Harpers at one part in, point in time, uh, who we mentioned in the last episode, but like didn't get along with the leadership. So he separated out and made his own group called the Moon Stars. And they're like the Harpers, except they've got moons and stars and magic stuff. It's better. Um, mm. <laughs> I, I just thought it was funny. Uh, he also uh, has relinquished the Blackstaff to Vajra, who is a the new Blackstaff of Waterdeep. Um, she's kind of like a younger uh version of Blackstaff. She's pretty cool. She's a fun character. She's a woman of color as well. Yes. Um, so outside of Kelvin, uh there's Halister Blackcloak, who we mentioned a little bit, who presides over Undermountain underneath Waterdeep, uh, which is like I said last week, a huge complex of many layers, uh many monsters and portals and magics and golems and all sorts of things it's a great place for an adventure um they have a generic map for it in the uh uh undermountain book uh dungeon of the mad mage but they also on those maps say that you can expand like they've pointed out points where you can expand the levels as you see fit um so because they know that this place can be as big as they is um Halster wants it to be so you as dm can expand that dungeon another villain of sorts that presides in Waterdeep is xanathar who is which is actually a title uh, because there <laughs> have been multiple xanathars xanathar is a beholder i believe that we might have actually seen his art already but we haven't actually seen mm-hmm. his card i think we've seen his key art yeah yeah he, he serves as the key art focus i think he's like on the booster boxes and stuff well i thought they showed him they showed a beholder on one of the art cards like when they were demonstrating on the stream they were showing a beholder but they didn't show any of the stats or cast, mm. like they didn't show any of the text on the card i mean it could just be another beholder yeah it could be i want whatever i want xanathar to get like a legendary creature card and i want it to like have all his little doodads in the background like the key art has like that's a card that i would expect to go find equipment but we'll see he also famously wrote a guide to everything which is one of like the expansion uh content books of the fifth edition yep it's great um speaking of another author in the forgotten realms volo um he is a popular author and explorer of sorts he he wrote a book called volo's uh monster manual What's it? Volos, Volos? Volos Guide to Monsters, Monsters I believe. Yes, there was. Um, really good like addition to, to add to your D&D collection. Uh, it's excellent book, has lots of great stuff in it. Um, it's funny because in D&D, there's actually, there are several adventures where you can buy copies of that book. <laughs> so like as a dm basically what you give to your players is anything that is written down like the character the monster descriptions you don't give them the stats but you get the monster descriptions that he's written down from that book and his full name is volthump got get arm yeah if you're playing the tomb of annihilation adventure you get a chance to purchase the book and i recommend you do it it's useful <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> he's Vol funny because reading about person. him Reading, reading about him, uh, he's like he's a, he's just kind of an okay wizard. He's like the most famous, just okay wizard in because he writes these really useful guides. 
Yeah, and he's all he's almost always broke when you meet him, so he always needs help <laughs> with something because he hasn't received money for his books. Oh, jeez! So, Publishing yeah, he, industry typical is terrible, writer, even like, in Waterdeep. Yeah. Yep, especially in Waterdeep. <laughs> so, uh, you're, you're, you'll generally find him when he needs help. He'll probably offer you a lot of money up front, and or he'll offer you a lot of money, but he won't actually be able to pay you. So he'll pay you back with favors or different things like that. Yeah, uh, he's he's fun. The the next character who plays into uh, a important fifth edition campaign book uh, in uh, Storm King's Thunder, I believe, is uh, the character Harshnag, who is a favorite of mine. Harshnag is a a uh, frost giant, um, which frost giants are generally evil in uh, in D anD D, or they're they're not helpful people. They're generally they don't like small folk, but Harshnag actually. Uh, becomes a member of the Grey Hand. He becomes one of the founding members of it, which is like an adventuring group uh, who serves Waterdeep. It's sort of like, um, it's like the, I, w- I want to say like mercenaries of Waterdeep, but a little bit, you know, more good aligned. Um, and so Harshnag is like this fun, like good guy who looks really scary and also is a giant and giants are kind of your enemy in that campaign. So he's really fun to, to play around with. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we gave Harshnag a shout out because I'm a big fan of him. He sounds cool. So like one of the things I was reading about him, cause the, the Brian and Chris put in all these characters. So I went and read about them. He's funny because he's used as like an emergency alarm in the city. So they will send him into a section of the city and because he's so huge, everyone can see him and will know like something's going on. They got to evacuate or bunker <laughs> down or whatever. Yeah, he's uh, he's like he's just a good guy and he's a giant. And just imagine having a giant as your friend. So useful. <laughs> <laughs> like just such a good friend. So our next character is Manchun. Um, he is a lawful evil wizard who He's rivaled with a bunch of the powerful mages of the Forgotten Realms, like Elminster or Kelvin Blackstaff, um, and Halister, actually. Um, Halister actually defeated uh, Manchun in a duel and cut off his arm at one point. But Manchun has also cloned himself, but he botched the job, and all of his clones... Generally in D&D, when you clone yourself, you the clones don't activate until you die, and then once you die, your soul teleports to your clone, and then that then the clone wakes up. But he botched it, and all of the, these clones that he made as contingencies for when one of these other mages ultimately defeat him and destroy him is to teleport to this clone. But all the clones woke up, so now they're fighting for supremacy to be the only <laughs> one left. So <laughs> That's a pretty great concept. You have... You have all these clones that are just like doing these mad plots and random things like that, trying to kill each other and like gain power in various different places. And it's there have been a number of adventures written about Manchun doing crazy things to either gain power or kill him, kill another clone. And you get caught in a crossfire or some innocent village or something like that so it's a great adventure hook if you need one also worth noting is that D has had some some uh adventures into other sort of game expressions before and famously there's the balder gate balder's gate games um balder's gate one balder's gate two and then now coming out soon still not completely out even though you can play early access is balder's gate three which is excellent fantastic so far um cannot wait for the full release of that uh, but 
uh, there's some characters that are worth mentioning from those games because uh, they could show up on cards. I don't know them because I've only played Baldur's Gate 3, which I don't think is going to show up on the cards. So I, I've started playing Baldur's Gate recently, and there are two characters that I think um, are, are probably the the fan favorites. The first is the canon version of the main character. That's Abdel Adrian, who is this very prominent figure in Baldur's Gate. Uh, basically, at, if you are the lawful hero type in the game. Um, uh, Abdel was a Bale spawn, which means he the, the god Bale uh, basically created a bunch of demigod babies in order to resurrect himself after he dies. And once there's only one left, um, Bale, because uh, he's the god of murder, so he wants his children to all murder each other, and then who's ever left would essentially become the new Bale or reincarnate as Bale. Uh, so a- Abdel survives all that for a long time. I think he lives to like 100 plus something. Um, I believe canonically he's been killed kind of recently in like the fifth edition era. Um, I don't know exactly offhand, but he might be one to look out for, especially with Baldur's Gate 3 coming. Uh, he's not involved in Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, the other two characters worth mentioning are Minsk and Boo. Uh, Minsk is a, uh, kind of beefcake himbo warrior dude and Boo is his hamster. Uh, and he is very protective they're it's it's a you if you haven't heard of them look up some Baldur's gate clips of minsk and boo like everything they do together is hilarious our next characters are powerful withers that we think might have a chance of being planeswalkers <laughs> some of them have planeswalked which <laughs> is yes. not in magic i think the most popular character that i expect to get a card and should probably be a planeswalker is elminster the sage of shadowdale um, he is a favorite of Mistra, um, widely considered to be the most powerful um, non-deity um, in the realms when Mistra was at her peak. Um, he's kind of fallen off in some of the more recent books, as far as I'm aware. I'm not super knowledgeable about Elminster, because I haven't read all of his books. I've read a number of them, but um, he's one of the most popular characters in the realms outside of Dritz, who I think is probably more popular, but that might just be my own bias. Uh, I I had heard of Dritz before all of that, before I even looked at anything D&D related. I had not heard of Elminster. Our next character is Mordenkainen. Um, I'm kind of mixed on whether he's going to show up as a planeswalker because like, if he, if there was going to be a wizard, he would be the planeswalker. Because he's not primarily from the Forgotten Realms. Um, he is a wizard that shows up in various D&D books in 5th edition. But he started off as one of the, from one of their other um, properties known as Greyhawk. Um, he's one of the most powerful wizards from that property. And he, like I said, he shows up in random D&D books um, in various different planes, like he was in Barovia, um, in Curse of Strahd. Um, so we know he's able, and he frequently travels the different planes or different worlds of D&D. Um, so I think he is a powerful, and he, he actually is the namesake of one of their 5th edition books, which is why I put him on this list, but I'm not 100% sure that he's going to get 
um, a card because the name of the of the set is uh, Forgotten Realms, but he's not a, essentially a Forgotten Realms character, though he is a very popular D&D character. It, it's making me notice now that you mentioned that, that our list of powerful wizards who could possibly be planeswalkers is mostly characters who aren't from Faerun or from Toril um, and are like traversed through the different settings, probably because we think they're going to be planeswalkers because they have planeswalked. <laughs> just not in the magic <laughs> sense um yeah they're also I, well known right now in D D, right exactly. yeah they keep getting books named after them uh speaking of that <laughs> we have a character who already has a card named after her uh tasha um i don't have a ton of knowledge about tasha i do know that tasha is a powerful wizard who has who created a bunch of spells in D D. you have tasha's hideous laughter which we've already seen previewed um, we have, um, Tasha's, no, that's Otto's Enduring Dance. She has a number of different spells that aren't coming to my brain at the moment because I wasn't, I didn't, wasn't thinking about it, but, uh, she also is not from Toril, and, but we, a lot of the spell, she has a number of spells in the D&D lore that are attributed to her, um, and she's a very powerful wizard um because of that yeah she's also from the greyhawk setting uh and is from that like original group of characters that gary gygax made for that setting Mm -hmm. what i looked up about her uh her her first name is actually like igwilv or something like that uh but she's known as tasha she's kind of a chaotic evil character she is a renowned demonologist like she's an expert on demons and summoning like the arcane um the infernal that kind of thing yeah but so she could be a planeswalker she'd just probably be like red and black aligned which would be uh questionable since we already have a black planeswalker but you know she could show up as the red planeswalker yeah i think um the the the, reason they're included here as well i should say is the greyhawk characters uh since we haven't seen anything set on greyhawk in a very long time uh it's likely that anything if, if these characters appear it'll be something associated with the forgotten realms yeah, and and the character who I uh, I think is is firmly associated with the Forgotten Realms, but is also not from Toril, uh, and I think I I will be very upset if we don't get a card for this character is a Sararak, who we mentioned last week, who is the Lich of all Liches, is like the Ur Lich, um, not like the Ur Dragon is the Ur Dragon, but like he didn't like fly around and put eggs places, um, and hatch like <laughs> little Lich broods or whatever, um, but he. He is like the archetypical powerful lich. And now liches, you know, they they come with some some like cultural baggage and things. And like these are things D&D has to address at some point in time um, because, you know, it's questionable and their choices to continue to use these things. But liches are undead wizards in D&D who have stored their souls in what is called a phylactery. Um, phylactery is actually a term used for uh, important Jewish uh, religious items. So that's a reason why we should you know, consider its usage. But essentially, they, they store their souls in an item so that they can't be killed. If they are ever killed, their body will just restore itself uh, near where they have stored their soul. Um, so they become essentially immortal. And when you're an immortal wizard, that means you become incredibly powerful because all you need is time. And if you're immortal, you have all the time in the world. Um, so a Sarak is like, a mega necromancer, incredibly powerful lich, super powerful wizard, has crossed the plains before, uh, and he is like the centerpiece 
of the uh, Tomb of Annihilation story, which I think is just ripe with content for cards. It is an excellent story. Uh, but Asarak essentially like comes to Chult on Faerun, kills their nine gods, and then like enslaves. Like I don't want to give anything away, but essentially he he's just like an incredibly powerful wizard, um, and would make an excellent like evil planeswalker character. Now we already got Loth, and Asarak would definitely have to be black. Um, his color alignment is a hundred percent black. Uh, yeah, there's no know, other color I would mm-hmm. attribute to him. Like I could see him being like a blue black planeswalker, but he's definitely black. <laughs> um, the the like necromancy Chult is just a swamp jungle, so like <laughs> it would make sense. Um, but you know they might give him like a legendary creature card, something. I will be so upset if we don't get anything related to Sarak in this set. Um, but that's my rant about a Sarak. Um, we've got a a, a cover a couple of other like important monster characters who could get cards. Um, one of them is Iamrith, who is the, the, like, I mentioned her last week as sort of a spoiler alert. I'm sorry, I spoiled some of the campaigns. Iamrith is like the main villain of Frost King's Thunder. Storm um, King's Thunder. Storm King's Thunder. Sorry. Um, some giant. Uh, but Iamrith is like the, uh, the, like, main villain. She's like this giant dragon, ancient, evil character. Um, she, I think, would make a really fun card. Uh, you could do a lot with her. The only issue with Iamrith is that uh, it's kind of a spoiler. Like you kind of just spoil the plot if you if you really reveal Iamrith that well. Um, I'm trying to speak very cage so I don't give anything away about her. <laughs> um, but she is a really cool villain and she makes a really wonderful uh, character who's memorable. And speaking of villains and campaigns, there's one in uh, there's a main villain in a campaign I'm playing in right now. So I don't want any spoilers about this one. I'm going to let someone else talk about Strahd von Zarevich. Noted. Uh, Strahd von Zarevich is a vampire lord. He is... Whoa, 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 spoilers. He's a vampire? There's a vampire in this setting? <laughs> Sweet yeah, Jesus, he, Chris. <laughs> he, he, he is the vampire. He is the D&D vampire. Like, when magic players think of vampires, they think of Baron Singer or Sinjir. Um, when D&D players think of vampires, they generally think of Strahd von Zarevich. He is... Um, the lord of a demi plane of few. Um, it, he so he's kind of trapped in this this cruel um, mimicry of a land that he once loved and lorded over, but he did horrible things to gain control of that of that uh, that area, and as such has been banished to his own demi plane of feud. Um, and he but he has complete control of that pretty much. Um, so it would be very interesting to me if he did not receive a card, especially with our next couple of sets being in a vampire themed area, because I would think that this would be a great time to kind of seed that, um, that standard with different, um, vamp- legendary vampires, especially for commander players. But I, I would be very surprised if Strahd von Zarevich was not in the set for that reason. Yeah, the the mm-hmm. I'll say the the thing worth remembering about that is that Strahd is not technically part of the Forgotten Realms. <laughs> he's he's as you said, kind of in his own little pocket dimension, uh, away from the Forgotten Realms. But you know, like you said, most recognizable vampire in all of D anD. d and the next sets coming out are vampire and werewolf themed. So would make a lot of sense to get a Strahd card. So what I'll also mention here is uh, one of the plane shift supplements for Innistrad, the D&D, 
is just instructions on how to reskin the Curse of Strahd campaign for Innistrad, for taking place on Innistrad. So there's the there it's there's already a lore connection between the two because it essentially um you just reskin Strahd as um a Stensian vampire named uh Strefan Morer, I believe. And then everything else is basically exactly the same except Strahd's last uh, all everyone who's related to Strahd's last name is Morer instead of Zerovich. Yeah, it's uh it's funny because like Innistrad is just Olgrotha again, but Olgrotha was just Barovia. So <laughs> it's kind of a there's like three incarnations of the same sort of fantasy setting. Um, our next monster would be Demogorgon. Um, considering that we we got a Stranger Things and a Secret Lair announcement, I would be very, very surprised if we don't get a Demogorgon card in this set that is completely ported over and given new art in the Secret Lair. Demogorgon in D&D is the Prince of Demons. Uh, he is Lord of the uh, the Abyss, basically, and is considered the most powerful demon there. Um, it's He's a two-headed monster with weird appendage arms, like squid arms, and it, it's and his two heads fight um, on occasion, but he's an insanely powerful creature, um, and... Considering what we know about the secret layer, I will be very, very, very surprised if we don't get a card in this set for Demogorgon. And it's not a mythic, legendary demon um, that is trans- uh, given the Stranger Things art. So is Demogorgon like Asmodeus's equivalent on the demon side? That was like, actually that's who he is? He's like the highest ranking Asmodeus, demon? Um, if, if they had ranking. Yeah, demons demons in D&D don't have rankings. They 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 acknowledge power, but they they don't tend to rank each other. Uh, but yes, he would be he's widely considered to be the strongest demon in in the abyss by okay. most. Cool. And speaking of Asmodeus, uh Asmodeus is a devil who is the leader of who is the lord of the nine hells. In D&D, hell has nine different levels. Um that sounds really familiar. Is is hell maybe like a, a metal sphere? No, um, not not no? quite. But it's 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 definitely a good analog, <laughs> considering that the early lore for D anD D or for magic was based on uh, some D anD D characters. It wouldn't surprise me if they if they did that. Um, I mean, to be honest, D anD D just took it from the Inferno, right? So <laughs> that, that's fair. Inferno. That's that's definitely fair, but. There are nine layers of hell. Each hell had each layer has its own ruler, um, but they all serve Asmodeus. Um, Asmodeus is unlike in magic, where demons are um, very scheming and planning and forethought and cunning, and devils are wild and reckless. It's the exact opposite in D anD D, where devils are the cunning ones that are that will ask you to assign your lot, your soul away to them. For various things and demons are just out to kill you um so asmodeus is litigious and he wants you to sign your soul away and he he's he sets quotas for all of his demon lords for to recruit souls um by any means necessary in each demon lord or each not demon lord each a uh, lord of uh of a different a layer of uh Hell has different ways of achieving their goals. They they target different people in different ways. Um, so Asmodeus would not. It would not surprise me for him to get a card, but it also 
wouldn't surprise me if he didn't get a card too. So now, what if they're holding Asmodeus back because they're waiting for when they want to actually like cross the streams and make uh, the the D and D lore also part of the magic lore, and they're just waiting. And so, what will happen is uh, Asmodeus will become uh, uh, Phyrexianized, and that's how they'll start the crossover. Oh, Could you imagine if the nine hells became Varexianized? Please no. I don't. Uh, no. Oh, could you think of like the like the war no. machines on Avernus being no. being? So let's like, move Batter on. Skull is basically thoughts. just one of the. Okay. Oh God, no. <laughs> on that note, let's move on to final thoughts. My final thought is, uh, I am. By the time you're listening to this, I will be moving next week into a house. Finally, after a decade of renting with Rima and moving around the uh, the country as well, moving around the tri-state area at like vagrants, uh, we are finally settling down. It's a great feeling. Yay, congrats. Um, my final thought is I just want a PlayStation 5. Please. <laughs> Do it, Brian. I'm trying. They won't. You know, you they're like impossible to find. They're, it's going to be like three years old before you can get your hands on a PlayStation Five. Yeah, like I, I didn't really want a PS4 because none of the games appealed to me. But now it's just like I want to play Miles Morales, and I don't like. I, I didn't buy a PS4, so I need a PS5. But I don't want to buy a PS4 at the end of its operational life, right? So I yeah. want to play Final Fantasy Remake, Enter whatever it's called, the, the one with Yuffie. I want. This is what I want. And I need this. Just just let me get in line and give you my money to buy a PS5, please. Thank you. I'm conflicted now because now that Microsoft has bought Bethesda, like a large chunk of games I would have wanted on consoles are now Xbox exclusives, which I guess was the point. I'm sorry, Christopher. It's your final thought. Well, uh, my final thought is, uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, my final thought is going to be that... Uh, I played in an actual like paper pre-release. Like it was so weird. I went to my game store and I gave them money and they gave me a little box with six packs in it and a promo. And like I sat at a table with a bunch of people I don't know. And we talked about magic. We talked about all being vaccinated and how great it was to be out again. Um, We like built decks together. And of course I played my first round against a guy who I gave sleeves to during deck construction because he was at my table and he needed sleeves. I was like, oh, I've got some extras. And I sit down right across from him. I'm like, well, um, he beat me so bad, too. I played the wrong deck round one. I got to, like, rebuild a deck for round two and, like, dominated round two and three. But anyways, it was a lot of fun playing, like, a magic event in person with a bunch of strangers. Um, that's cool. It's great that we have that back. I'm I'm just really happy. Uh, it was really cool seeing all these people and, like, being able to reminisce and, and play a pre-release, which was for Modern Horizons 2. And I'm bringing this up because much like brian i'm having to like i just want to buy modern cards like i want to build a modern deck now but it's so expensive to try i want it and i think we need money and you know the best way to get us money (laughs) (laughs) i had a good transition plan too if you and if you want to come to our game store in person to play magic and give us money you can't but you can contribute to our patreon at patreon.com slash the vorthos cast uh it helps us we we don't we don't actually i mean we might buy someone might buy cards for the money we compensate uh our our our, our hosts 
uh, for their time, uh, especially when uh, someone's on editing duties and things like that. Uh, but also it pays for like the comics and the novels when they were coming out. And our um, SoundCloud. And, it, and our SoundCloud subscriptions so that we can host 165 episodes, which is what this one is. Um, and all those little things. Uh, and hopefully commission some more goodies in the future because I don't think we have a a cast goodie uh, that features Chris just yet. So that's that's in 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 the planning stages. I am unknowable. Uh, I am ineffable. But <laughs> I, I don't have an existence. Uh, but that Patreon Until money you put helps me on us. a play mat, Jay. I'm not gonna be real. Ha, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely losing it. Uh, so it helps us with all of those things, and you also get access to. Uh, it may not be in live chatting, but I think it's a pretty great community on our Discord server. Uh, I have really enjoyed our our cast Discord. It has kept me sane in the way many more public uh, Discord servers I have just ended up muting or leaving over time. Um, we have a great time here talking about uh tv shows like loki or uh video games coming out like uh metroid dread which is amazing um or just you know talking about the new sets and the new magic stories and all that good stuff i i want to say real quick if you like talking about new media that's coming out but you want to avoid spoilers we have the most respectful spoiler free channel i've ever seen in my life everything goes in spoiler tags i haven't watched the newest episode of loki yet nothing's been spoiled to me absolute just iron silent wills here everything's kept in spoiler tags redacted great great community if you want that we redact the crap out of everything yeah i i I love waking up and seeing a bunch of black bars in the morning i'm like oh good i accidentally clicked on the spoiler channel and i didn't learn anything by mistake anyway that's the end of our show so thank you all for listening this has been the vorthos cast